Today's advanced training. Business owner mindset. I got to tell you, uh, about a year ago now, we did a spring event um, uh, that uh, Heather and I put together. We wrote all kinds of curriculum for that spring event, put together a workbook. Those videos are still out there. The workbook's still out there. Uh, and we are actually working on putting that into and creating an, our book from it. Uh, and so the business owner mindset was a big piece of uh, that training. And um, it was about an hour and a half of that. And we're not going an hour and a half on this today. So what I've taken is I've tried to take the best parts of that, uh, those three pieces and uh, of the business owner mindset and put it into one uh, training here. So one of the greatest, uh, one of the biggest reasons that Heather and I broke through from just kind of playing with the insurance business to all of a sudden making millions in the insurance business was our shift in business owner mindset. I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, I think we have a great opportunity here on the sales side. I mean, you, you don't need to recruit anybody. You can go out there and make a quarter million dollars a year, have a very nice life uh, for sure. And many times when building the business, I seriously considered stop building and just sell, have a nice life making $250,000 a year. But I wanted more. I didn't want to be an insurance guy. I wanted to own a business. And, uh, and so I had to shift my thinking. I had to shift the way uh, I looked at things and how I perceived things. And, uh, and ultimately today, what I want to share with you is really three key elements uh, in developing that business owner mindset. Three key things I believe, we believe that you need to shift in your thinking and shift about the way you, uh, your paradigm, how you see things in order to get that business owner mindset. So let's jump into it. The um, three key elements we're going to cover. Number one, Team building. Now, if you're uh, an, an anal note taker, I'm going to list out these three, but then I'm going to drill down on each three. So you can either leave room or just write down number two and number three when I get to them. Uh, but number one is team building. Number two is flywheel doom loop. Uh, if you've been around the Fitz group for six months or more, you've probably heard me talk about the flywheel doom loop. It's a big, big thing in my mind. And uh, number three, investing. So three key elements to developing that business owner mindset. Number one, team building. Number two, flywheel doom loop. And number three, investing. Let's start with team building. Uh, in our business here, uh, what we're doing is we're selling insurance and, and then we're, we can hire other people and teach them how to do that. And a key element in, in developing that side of the business is really focusing on building a team. Um, and I, I think this is really applicable to any business that you're building. Uh, it's not just our business, right? So if you were working in a manufacturing plant, uh, some of the greatest success stories I hear um, uh, with manufacturing just outside of our industry, all kinds of uh, industries outside of our industry is talking about, the, you hear the CEOs talk about how they develop this culture. Well, that's team building. When you're developing a culture and people want to be around, they want to plug in, they want to give to it. Uh, and so team building is a big piece. Uh, so much so that, I, I mean, there's, there's books and books and books and books and books written on team building. All right, so step one. The first step to developing a team of your own is being a contributing member of someone else's team. Your team will multiply your negatives and divide your positives. I believe it's impossible to know how to build a team when you haven't been part of another team. I don't, I don't think 99.99999, I'll, I'll leave a room for an exception, but I don't think most people 
are just born knowing how to build a team. Most people aren't. There are some, I guess, but most people aren't. You have to be part of someone else's team in order to see how the team dynamics work and how to uh, recreate that on your own. Now, your team will multiply your negatives and divide your positives. Now, I'll draw this out for you. So 20 years ago, I had a mentor tell me, he drew out these circles, and he said, the bottom one is you, and, and you need to think about how you treat your mentor, your coach, your leader, the one that's leading you, the one you look to for leadership. You need to think about how you treat that person because when you start hiring a team of your own, how you treat that guy is how they're going to treat you. So uh, uh, in, over Christmas, my uh, mother and my sister came into town. My mom is uh, going to be 82 this year. 82 this year? 83 this year. She's 82 currently. And uh, while she was here, she was having kind of a, a knee problem and just, you know, just some sort of aches and pains. Uh, I was taking very diligent care and making sure that I helped her walk into buildings. I helped her get in and out of the car. And part of that motivation was I love my mother and I wanted her to know that. Uh, part of my motivation was my kids were watching <laughs> and one day I may need this, Heather may need this, and I want them to learn how to do it now while I have the, the, the energy to set the example. Does that make sense? Because how I treat my mother is how my kids are going to treat me. How I treat my mentors is how my team, the team I'm building, how they're going to treat me. So if this is positive, this will be positive. If this is negative, this is going to be negative, but much worse because there's more of them. Does that make sense? That's, that's a, a big thing to kind of grasp into your mind. So I'll ask you, which meeting are you committed to every week? So there's, there's a ton of opportunities to get together. There's, uh, there's team calls. There's this Tuesday morning call. There's Wednesday calls and Thursdays and Fridays. And there's a bunch of different calls. But, but which meeting are you participating in on a weekly basis? Now, uh, I, I, I would love for the people on the FITS team, for example, you're, you're, if you have one call a week that you can participate in, it's our Sunday night team call at 730. It's not the Tuesday morning. It's not the Wednesday. It's ours. But now here's the thing. What meeting am I going to attend every week? Not the one I'm leading because I've got to be part of somebody else's team. Does that make sense? So if you're leading a, a team, if you're leading a weekly call, you got to keep that in mind too of what are you, you can't count yours. <laughs> the call you're doing, you can't count that as your meeting that you're participating in because you can't spend all your time feeding. You also need to be fed or you're going to starve and have nothing left to give out. Okay, step two, create a system. Your people must know where to find you. The legendary General George S. Patton, I mean, the stories you hear about him was he always believed in leading from the front, so much so that, that riding into battle, he would be on the, on the tank, not in the tank, on the tank at the front of the formation going into battle because he wanted his men to see where he was. He didn't want to be the leader from the back. So create a system. Um, a routine is maybe a, a word that you could use. I think that if you're going to be a business owner, Businesses are made up of systems and processes, uh, and the better you can adapt to that. I mean, that's why people go off and get their MBA, right? Because when you get your MBA, you're learning systems and processes and getting that MBA so that when you go out there into the corporate world, you can apply your knowledge to the business at hand. Well, you need to create your own as you incorporate it, as you by yourself, the business owner. You need to create your own system. Focus on process, track results, tweak process until desired results. An effective system builds trust, it builds competence, it builds connection, and it builds character. 
here's what I mean by creating a system. When do you make your dials? When do you run your appointments? When, when are you in the office if you have one? If you don't, when are you uh, uh, holding office hours, right? When, when I tell every new agent that comes on board that I get the chance to talk to, listen, everybody's getting text, everybody's getting emails, everybody's getting voicemails. I promise you this on Slack, our Fitz Group internal communication tool, if you send me a Slack, I will respond before I go to bed at night. So they can bank on it. And it's probably going to be sooner, but worst case scenario, I'll respond before I go to bed. That's, that is a system. That is a piece, a process that I'm putting in there that people can bank on. You, you don't wonder if Fitz and Heather are going to be here on Tuesday mornings. You know if you show up on Tuesday morning, we're going to be here. Now, there's times when I can't because I'm traveling and Heather runs it, but, but so we're here. We have it covered. You don't, I'm proud that in 20 years, people don't wonder if there's a Tuesday morning meeting going on. You know, I wonder if they're doing a Tuesday meeting this, this week. <laughs> no, we've been doing it for 21 years now. Of course there is. You can bank on it. You're, we're going to do it. You can't constantly change. If you're, if you're doing a, a, a team call, for example, you can't start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. People need to be able to bank on that call happening. Bank on that call happening. I'm saying this, and I'm, even in my mind, I'm thinking, well, the last two weeks, we didn't do our team call. And, and, and I, th I feel awful about that, but we were coming back from conference one week and the next week was Super Bowl. I just felt like nobody's going to show up on the call. So <laughs> why do it, right? But in retrospect, I kind of felt like Sunday night, we probably should have done it even, even if it was just a real quick 15 minute during halftime or something. But just the more consistent you can be, the more trust you earn from the people following you. The, the, the more consistent you are in your systems and your process, the more people will trust that you know what you're doing. If they don't know that you're making dials, if they don't witness you doing interviews, how, do, how can they learn that you know what the heck you're talking about, right? I love right now, I love these, these group calls we're doing for sales training. I love it because people are learning from each other. But I also love it because I'm telling people something. They're going and doing it and coming back the next week with success. That's increasing their belief in my competence that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, an effective system is going to build connection. I was coaching yesterday with a group of guys. I was like, hey, you want to get your team together? Get your team together? Get your team together doing things that you need to do. Like when you get on a plane, they tell you to put on your oxygen mask before you help somebody else with theirs. So rather than stopping and helping somebody, do and work with the ones who show up while you're doing. That creates connection. And character, character is doing what you say you're going to do. Uh, it's, it's when your words and your actions line up. Um, you know, as we're raising our kids, so much of what I want them to know about characters, it's not what everybody sees you doing. It's what you're doing when no one else is around to witness it. Uh, because that, those little things lead up to the big things. So the question is, what is your system for your team? What is your routine? You know, we were in college, we had professors who had office hours. These are, these are, these are when you can bank on the, the professor being in their office. When can your team bank on you being where? Big thing to know. All right, step three, every meeting should cast vision. People want to belong to something greater than themselves. Every meeting, every time you get together with your team, whether it's a, a little call or a Tuesday, a Tuesday morning thing, or even if it's a conference, or anytime you're getting your team together, it's got to be a place that you're casting vision and, and you're helping them see where they can be. Vision draws on history. Vision draws on your own history, right? Like I, I think about one of the big motivators for me I love my family. Let me be very, very clear about that. My mom, my dad, my siblings, I love them. I just wanted something different than they wanted. My history in witnessing their lives. I'm, when, I, when I went off to college, I was a chem major. Now, I got three siblings that are all 
lab rats, I call them. They're chemistry biologists. They're working in labs. And uh, I went off to college and started off as a chemistry major and changed because organic chemistry kicked my tail. Uh, and so I moved into psychology. And my, my, my siblings were all like, when you graduate college, aren't you coming to work at the lab where we work? It's like, no, because I've heard you for 20 years complaining about where you work. Why would I want to go there? That's all. So the vision of where I was going drew on that history, for example, of where I had come from. Vision draws on your inner voice. That inner voice. Now, um, a, a lot of times that, that inner voice takes on, I, I, you, could, you could say, well, it, it, you know, some people say, God's talking to me. I feel like a lot of times I hear my dad's voice. That inner voice that's inside of you, and a lot of times you've got to be quiet to hear it, uh, to know what it's really saying. But where you want to go, sometimes your inner voice is telling you that. Uh, vision draws on future goals. You know, last year we hit senior board member. It was funny to see, like, for the longest time, I, di I did not believe in telling the, the organization, telling the team our goals. I just am somebody who's believed for as long as I can remember that if you want to get where you want to go, you got to help enough people get where they want to go. Zig Ziglar was the first one I ever heard say that. If you get in, help enough people get where they want to go, you're going to get where you want to go. So I never really shared my dreams and goals and visions with other people uh, until I did and saw the impact of it. It's an interesting uh, leadership dynamic. I mean, leadership is all about helping them get where they want to go. However, people who are following you that don't know where you're going, it makes it really hard for them to follow you. So you got to tell them where you're going. You got to throw it out there and watch the team galvanize behind that. Now, be, be very clear, you know, my future goals, I'm not depending on you to do it, but if you want to help me achieve it, it's probably going to help you get to a new place too. I don't go around telling people, this is what you need to do so I can hit my goals. And this is what you need to do so I can hit my goals. And this is, that's not what we're talking about here. It's tossing it out there. For example, I tossed out, I want to make $300,000 this year selling IULs. <laughs> Me, 300000 commission paid to me selling IULs. I'm tossing it out there. I don't know if other people are going to be galvanized by that or what, but I'm tossing out my goal, my vision, what I want to do. Vision meets a need. If your vision, where you're focused on going, if that doesn't meet a need, it's really hard to get behind because people just say, well, what's the point? I mean, why, why would I do that? Why, what's in it for me is what a lot of people are going to ask about. What is your vision for your team? Where do you see this thing going? How fast are you going to get there? Yes, it's important to talk about in terms of what they want, but you need to cast the vision of where you're going. Because what you'll see when, when, when a leader leads like this, what you see is, I remember the toy when I was a kid, the little ducks on a string, the little wheels. And, and when you just, if you push that string, like the ducks just all jumble up and knot up and don't do anything. But when you grab that string and turn and just start walking, the ducks just line up right behind you. That, to me, is a picture-perfect model of how leadership works and how team building works. When the leader is leading, the team will follow. Step four, develop a synergetic team with three components. So as you're developing your team, what you'll start to see coming about is a core, which the core are your, are your success stories. The core are the ones who are making decisions on their own. The core is, is the empowered ones. The core, they're the ones that, they've been around for a decade. They, they just, you just, you just know, like, just like you don't have to wonder if Tuesday morning is going to happen. I don't have to wonder uh, about who's showing up on Tuesday mornings. That's the, when, when we're talking about the core, right? The core, you don't have to worry about them showing up outside the core. You have the committed. So the core is your core, right? That's your inner circle. That's your, that's your, 
But then the next circle out, if you're looking at concentric circles, the next circle out is the committed. Committed have responsibility. I encourage you if you're doing a meeting uh, or getting the team together, like the, the committed are willing to do things if you'll just ask them. Ask them to show up and set up the chairs. Ask them to make sure the lights are right. Ask them to make sure the temperature is right in the room. Uh, the committed attend all meetings. Now, I, I want to be really clear that when we say attend all meetings, what I'm not saying is become a professional student and do nothing to make money. So many people get so focused. Well, you should attend all meetings. I'm working really hard. On no, 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 no. Just tap the brakes. We're not saying make your life all about yeah. meetings, but, but you, you, the committed show up. The committed are there. You can count on them. The committed consistently produce. The committed rarely have zeros in a week for activity and results. They, they, they produce something every week. Even the weeks that, that the world didn't, the committed will turn in something. And then finally, you got the crowd. Crowd's not a bad thing. The crowd are observers, friends, uh, energy builders. Um, we, I, we tell the story often about an agent we had years ago named Don. Don was part of the crowd. I think Don's now passed on. Uh, but Don came on board with us. Uh, he had done well in his corporate career, had had money. He wasn't working here just to you know, try to survive. He just, he enjoyed being here. He liked us. He was a big cheerleader. He'd come here, drink a cup of coffee. A new agent would come in and they're like, hey, and I always encourage agents to talk about me behind my back. Ask the people in the room about me. Ask them, like, find out. Don't just take my word for it. Ask around. See, see if we're really doing what we say we're doing. And, uh, and people would ask Don about this. And Don would be like, man, these people are great. Heather and Fitz are just amazing people. And their staff is as good as it gets. And this is a real way of making money. And the clients really need it. We have great products. Like he was just, he would go on and on and on. Then the new agent would go, well, how much are you producing? Don goes, nothing. Like, I don't, I don't produce anything. I don't need to. I'm, I, but I love the environment. I love being here. I, I'll take a whole room of the crowd. Don't, as a leader, don't piss the crowd off. Don't drive the crowd away. People showing up is great. If I had a, this room full today and one core person, but everybody else was crowd, I'd be so fired up. As opposed to having one core person in the room, the, the crowd is important. I mean, how good would the Super Bowl be if nobody was in the stadium? Right? That's the crowd. You need those people there. Otherwise, the Super Bowl doesn't sell tickets. Nobody's, nobody's advertising if you don't have the crowd. Remember, leadership is taken, not given. It's not like a rude thing when you take leadership. It's just assume the responsibilities of leadership. Um, just assume them. Start doing them. Who are your core committed and crowd? When you're looking at the team that you're building, you need to think through the process, think through the thoughts of this person's core, this person's committed, this person's crowd. Give them that grace. Maybe they think they're core, but you observe them as acting like the crowd. That's okay. Give them that space to be who they are. They will grow if you give them the room to grow. But if you smother them, if you lenny them to death, you ever see uh, uh, Mice and Men or read the book of Mice and Men? Lenny was the one, you know, and, and Bugs Bunny did a, a, a parody of that later on where I'm going to love him and squeeze him and, and kill him because you're petting him so hard. Like, don't smother the crowd. Let them be the crowd. Okay. Number two, flywheel doom loop. This is going to go a little faster because I'm just going to refer you to a video. <laughs> the fitzgroup.org slash flywheel and doom loop. Uh, if you go here, it's the training I've done on the flywheel doom loop. It comes from uh, Jim Collins book, good to great. I didn't make it up. It was really, but it is understanding the flywheel and doom loop really has impacted my business uh, and impacted my life as a whole. So 
the flywheel effect. I'll real briefly tell you about it. It starts with taking steps forward consistent with what you should be doing. In our business, if you want to build momentum, you pick up the phone and make dials. That's taking a step forward consistent with what you're supposed to be doing. That leads to an accumulation of visible results. Even if you're not getting people on the phone, you're just doing the tick marks of dials. Tick, 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 slash, tick. You just keep doing that. It starts accumulating the visible results. You start booking appointments. People get lined up and energized by the results. So often, I'll have people come to me and say, how do I get my wife on board with what we're doing here? I go, do you want your wife to support you or do you want your wife to be your secretary? Because only one of those do I know how to do. <laughs> I don't know how to get my wife to be my secretary. The one time I referred to her as my assistant, I thought I was going to be murdered. So, like, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. If you know, I'll sit at your feet. Please, oh, wise one, tell me. But I, I do know how to get my wife supportive, and that's by going out there and getting positive results. It just, I mean, nothing unifies like success. When the team is winning, everybody's all about the team, right? So Heather quit her job and came to help me build this business after our second awards trip. I didn't wait for her to get on board and be my secretary in order to go out there and start earning awards trips. But on the second award trip, she's like, there's some men and women doing this together, husbands and wives doing this together. We could smoke them if I quit my job. I was like, dang right, let's do it. She got energized, lined up by the results I was getting without her. And the flywheel continues to build momentum. This is positive momentum, right? Well, the doom loop is all about negative momentum. It starts with disappointing results. Everybody gets disappointing results. I guarantee you some of the top producers this week got disappointing results. It's all about how you respond to it. It's all about how you react. If you react without understanding, you're dooming yourself to negative momentum. We see this all the time. We see it all the time in business. We see it all the time in sports. Today, I mean, those who know me well know that I'm a huge Tar Heel basketball fan. We met there. We graduated from there. We love the Tar Heels. They suck this year in basketball. It is really sad. And Saturday, we played Duke. And I, I just want to crawl under a bed somewhere and just go, oh, <laughs> Please, I, I got a bunch of Duke friends. I know they're going to be talking trash. And I just go, whatever, man, back off. Like, it, it just, it, it, it's a dead horse. Quit beating it. But every time the Tar Heels lose, all, I mean, you see this in all sports. This is my personal uh, observation. All the alumni are talking about firing Roy Williams, who's the Hall of Fame head coach, got the fourth most wins in history. They want to fire him. Oh, he's having a bad season. Give the guy a break, right? That's, that's reacting without understanding. What, who else are we going to hire? You got somebody that's better than him? <laughs> number four, best of all time. You're going to find number three? No, he's not. Number one, that's Duke. Like, that's Mike Krzyzewski. He's not coming over to Carolina to replace him. But that's what people do. We react without understanding. That leads to a new script. It leads to a, a new advertising that we're doing. It just leads to change. To, we make changes that aren't proven. And that, that leads to no more buildup and no accumulated momentum and continues the disappointing results. That's the doom loop. Things go negative. What I want to focus on is getting out of the doom loop. You can have the doom loop by creating growth, finding meaning, and or making contribution in every situation and circumstance. So let's go deep here. When you are trying to get out of your doom loop, you need to react with, with understanding. Here are some things that you need to understand. What are your matured strengths? What are your strengths? My strengths, it was such a milestone in my life when I quit trying to be other people and started finding out about me and being the best me. That's when, I, that's when my life just changed. And I got so much happier, like happier because I wasn't trying to be somebody else. I was trying to be me. And so you have strengths. I was telling this at conference. Everybody is born with an advantage. Everybody has an advantage. It may not be obvious. You may have to dig. And, and like one of my advantages that I don't have is I'm not seven feet tall. 
that's that's an advantage I don't have. Some people that's that's you can't do anything about it. That's you like right? Like I you just there's advantages that you have that you were born with that you didn't do anything to get, you just got them. So matured strengths, what are your strengths? Do an inventory of that. What am I good at? Be honest. It's not being arrogant, it's not being narcissistic, it's being real when you're defining what you're good at and what you're not. What are your strengths? How can you grow them? How do they apply now? The strengths I have, how does it apply to the situation I'm going through right now? How can I use one of these strengths to get through that situation? What new strength is being revealed? As I'm working through this, it, it's um, Heather wrote me a card uh, this past fall that I have on, on next to my sink. You've seen it there, I have it on my sink? And she said, one of the things I've been watching you go through is there has been a humbling uh, that, you've, that you've walked through over the last few years that is needed to go where we're going next. Does that make sense? That, like I, 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 a strength of mine was not humility, Marty. <laughs> that was, I mean, shocking. If you know me, you know, it's, that wasn't a strength of mine, but it's become a strength of mine. And, and even if you're saying I'm humble, that's like, that's almost contradictory. But, but that, that's a strength that's coming out now that's being revealed that wasn't there before. It's being developed in, as I'm walking out what, my life. Okay, flywheel doom loop, getting out of the doom loop. Your story, your story helps you out. What is your passion or source of frustration? I tell people all the time, I'm not passionate about life insurance. I'm passionate about helping people make money. So when I get into a doom loop, when I have disappointing results, I'm easy, I, it's easy for me to think in terms of how can I use this to help somebody else make money. And that's where I start teaching. That's when I start writing a PowerPoint or start putting together a little training. Or You guys are seeing that on Slack. I'm sending out messages once a week with videos of just things that I'm coming up with and I'm, that, hey, I'm walking through this. It's my, part of my story. I'm sharing it. I'm helping you because that's something I'm passionate about. What is your past experience? A lot of people have the experience of none of my family ever graduated college or my, my family's always been broken. That, that, well, that's, that's part of your story. Reacting with understanding can take you out of that and you're creating a new story now. Are you in certain patterns or cycles? This is important to really observe patterns or cycles that you're in. What, what loop are you in? What is, what is something that continues to occur? Here's something for me. I'll, I'll be honest. I like eating after everybody else has gone to bed at night. That's a, that's a pattern for me. And I know it. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> it's like I'm talking to the dog. No, sit, 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 stay, stay. I have to do that to myself because it's a pattern. I know right about 9, 10 o'clock, I'm like, hmm. I might be able to use a little something. To eat. I bet they got some chips in there. We had some good dinner. Maybe I'll just get another little piece of that chicken. So <laughs> are you in certain patterns or cycles? You can't stop it if you don't know it. If you don't observe it, it's hard to stop that negative cycle. What is motivating me to engage? Why, why am I doing this? Why, you know, uh, um, I think it's like, for example, if you get disappointing results making dials and booking appointments, sometimes it's nice to step back and go, why am I doing this? <laughs> why, why, get back to it. Why am I making these dials? I mean, I could go to McDonald's and get paid. <laughs> just showing up and dip some fries, I can get paid, but I'm doing something a little bit different. Like I'm stepping out there and I'm putting myself out there and it's, there's easier ways to make money. Gotta be, why am I doing this? It's good to get back to that. What is your motivation? Your financial contribution. What actions are producing income? When you get disappointing results, you got to ask yourself, what am I doing that produces income? 
what other opportunities for income do you have? I, I, I love that we're hearing right now so much about people working their current client base. This is a whole bunch of people who've trusted you at least once by giving you a check and their personal information and signatures that allow you to draft for the next 360 months. I love that people are now going back to that trust base and, and talking to them about how else we can serve. Uh, I love the people who right now are really exploring and experimenting and, and, and trying out annuities and IULs and getting good at that, and the new HMAs and debt reduction and the Medicare and all, all these products we have. There are other sources of income here. We have other opportunities for income. If you just stay like this, you're going to miss out on tremendous opportunities to make money. So um, maybe right now you're getting disappointing results working final expense. Well, maybe maybe look for ways that you're, when you're working those final expense leads, just think, okay, I'm going in there. I'm taking care of something very basic. But this person may also actually have, voila, $100,000 that I could roll into a, a, an annuity. Like think about the other opportunities you have there. Is this profitable to my income goals? What I'm doing right now, this pattern that I'm in right now, is this positive or negative? Is this going to help me get where I'm trying to go financially or not? Look for patterns through counsel from others. Be very careful who you take counsel from, but I don't think you only take counsel from one person. I love if you're coming to me asking for advice. My advice is only as good as the information that you're giving me, so I am limited. But what I believe is that we as adults, it's our job to, to get together a body of evidence and make a decision, the best decision we can, based on that body of evidence. Any multiple counselors in your life, be very careful who you pick, though. Don't go to somebody about marriage advice that's on their sixth or seventh or eighth marriage. Right? That's, that's a bad one to take advice from. If you're talking to somebody who, whose cars are being repossessed, don't go to them for financial advice. Uh, I'm not saying that people who've gone through that aren't good to talk to, but they can't currently be going through it because they don't know how to get out of it. Does that make sense? Uh, I went through the financial crap. I, I can tell you how to get out of it. So I'd be a good one to talk to about that, for example, right? So choose your counselors really wisely. Um, and big faith moves are different than the accumulation of small results. And we talked about last spring when we did this event, you know, Heather and I picked up and moved from North Carolina to Dallas to build the agency here. We did that, and our multitude of counselors, uh, half of them were saying, bad idea, and half of them were saying, man, go for it. So <laughs> we took a big faith step. Um, there are big moves that you can make. Maybe you move halfway across the country, or maybe uh, you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend $1,000 on leads, or I'm going to go uh, spend $2,000 a month on ZipRecruiter ads. Maybe you're taking that's kind of a big faith move for you, but, but don't underestimate the power of all those little small things that you're doing. The small things add up. The big things, sure, they may work, they may not, but the small things are really what's going to get you where you're trying to go. What doom loop pattern are you currently in and how can you begin to respond with understanding? Maybe the doom loop you're in is you're just not booking appointments. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're running ads and not, not uh, recruiting anybody. Maybe you're recruiting people and not getting anybody up and off the ground. Maybe you're getting people up and off the ground, but you're not helping them build teams. What doom loop, what pattern are you have that's not producing fruit? Let's address it. Let's fix it. Let's get better. That's how we move forward. All right. Number three, investing. The flywheel doom loop understanding for me, reacting with understanding was a big pivotal moment in my life. So was understanding how money works. We do have a video out there, budgeting part one and two. If you go to thefitsgroup.org, it's budgeting part one and two. 
fitzgroup.org slash budgeting part one and two. Um, it's, it's on our website. You can go access it, uh, watch it all you like. Uh, I encourage you to do that. So I'm not going to revisit that 34 minute training, uh, but I will show you some slides. You need to make a budget. This is, this is huge. Investing in your business, the mindset of doing that is, and thinking about it in terms of that, instead of, instead of in terms of like a job, uh, that's going to be huge in changing your life. For example, when I teach the budgeting, I say, take your, your gross budget, your gross income, right? And divide it into three parts. A third leads, a third other overhead, and a third profit. And, and here's how you know when, uh, if you have a business mindset or a job mindset. I don't put down jobs. I employ people. I think they have great jobs. But it's a different, it's a different thing we're trying to accomplish here. So here's how I know if somebody's got a business mindset or not. As they look at that third profit and go, you mean if I make $100,000, I'm only taking home $33,000? You got a job mindset. You got a job mindset. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I made X amount, like we made a million, but then I, I also employed several people who are making pretty good money, right? And, and we have an office and we've got expenses and I, it's, it's, it's bigger than just the take-home paycheck. It's, it's bigger than that. It's, it, you, have to, you have to, if you study business and you look at the best, most profitable businesses in the world, they would cut your throat for a 33% profit. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them are like 9% profit and they're fired up. Well, that's billions. It's still 9%, man. Like it's still percentage. That's, how, that's a good thing about percentages is they, they're always that percent, right? So think like a business owner. When I, when I pay my lead bill, I don't think about it as being an expense. I think about it as being an investment. You know why? Because I invest in leads and money comes back. I get a return on that. It's not an expense. It's not, I'm not pumping gas into my car you know, though that, that's, that's more of an expense to me. When I run ads, I look at the advertising budget and I go, oh, I don't want to spend that money. But when I run ads, people respond to that. And now I'm, I'm getting a return. So you got to think like a business owner. Investing in business. With a business, you must get the crop coming in and then build your barns or your house. That's from Proverbs. But man, it holds true. So many people see a little bit of success and they immediately try to adopt the lifestyle of that, of that level. That's job mentality. Job mentality, you're making a quarter million dollars. You're thinking, I'm going to go buy this house. I'm going to go buy a car. I'm going to start buying jewelry. Business owner mindset, you make a quarter million dollars. You're thinking, I need to invest back into my business to get the business to double next year. Not thinking about, I'm going to go cash in and, and just get that new house I've been looking at, get that new car I've been looking at, and get that new Rolex I've been No, like, you, you can't do that. Getting there, we, the year we bought our first house was the first year we made a million dollars like that it wasn't like we didn't go we didn't we didn't go buy a house when we made 500,000 we didn't go buy a house we made 300,000 we bought a house we made a million well that's crazy Fitz I want to buy a house sooner than that it, the job mentality is creeping into you a little bit you're not thinking like a business I was thinking I don't want to tie up the capital in buying a house I don't want the distraction of buying a house and looking for a house. What a whipping it is to buy. I hate moving. Just moving just sucks all by itself. Like when friends ask, Hey, can you help me move? No, here's 50 bucks, man. Go get a mover. I'm not, I'm not going to help anybody move. I hate the whole process of it. It's so distracting. When you're building a business, you want to eliminate as many of those distractions as you can. Delayed gratification, put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. I went with my mentor, Andy, to go buy my first Rolex, his first Rolex too. We bought them together. My goal was to run a million dollars in a month in production before I did that. I could have done it way before then, but it was a goal and it was delayed gratification because it was something I knew I needed to be bigger than this. I need to be here in order to get there. 
mentality to build a business, not necessarily working nine to five for $50,000 a year. You have to get the mindset of having, of getting a paycheck. You are investing, take a risk, not certain of the return. Does that make sense? You, you, you can't, you can't treat this like, now I do believe on the sales side, if you treat this like a job, you're going to make a lot of money. If you treat it like a nine to five on the sales side, you can make three, four, $500,000. We're not talking about that. We're talking about building the business. If you're going to build the business of this, this is not a nine to five gig. And you never retire from it. I've had people say, when do you, when do you retire? When, when do you quit working like you do? I go, yeah, uh, never. <laughs> when did retirement come about? It was in medieval France when they first came up with the retirement age of 65. Did you guys know this? They said uh, retirement age is age 65 in medieval France because at that point what would happen is the king would, would start taking care of you and, and you wouldn't have to go out there and work anymore. The trick was the average life expectancy was about 55. Yeah, so that was 10 years past when you probably were going to be dead. That's where the age 65 came about for retirement. Retirement's not actually something you're ever supposed to do. And when you're pushing for a vision, a dream, a goal, it's not like you're really working anyway. Um, it's, it's, it's labor intensive, but it's not work. Like work feels like it beats you down. This doesn't. Invest first in the business. Invest first in the business. But what happens here is I'm, I'm not but the money comes in, I'm not immediately taking my profit. The business, the money comes in, I'm investing in this. I'm investing in this. Then I'm taking out. I've read some books where they say, as self-employed, you should pay yourself first. And I go, right. And where's your money to reinvest back into the business? <laughs> I, I don't think you should starve. That's why we have the sales side going on. But the business side of things, you've got to put money back into that business and generate that revenue. In the budgeting one and two, I break down talking about how the different types of leads that you work. But here's some points I want to make. The invest, investment is bigger on the front end than it is on the back end. If you want to get the space shuttle off the ground, they use a lot of gasoline. A lot of fuel is used to get that rocket off the ground. It's the same here. You, you hear so many people that have been with us 10 or more years talking about working current clients and getting this referral and that referral. That's great. But day one, you don't have all those current clients. You don't have all those referrals. You may need to put up a little bit extra fuel to get that program going. Compound your investment. Buy assets that create more assets. I learned this from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When, when we got started in this business 20 years ago, the mindset was, I'm not trying to hire agents. I'm trying to buy assets. I'm trying to buy passive income. And I do that by running an ad and talking to the person coming off the ad, and I give them a little bit of leads, and we invest in them to get that asset up and off the ground. But now that asset is making me money, and I'm going to use that money and go buy some more assets. And if I can get those assets creating other assets by hiring other people as well, that's compounding my money. It's compounding my capital, my investment. Make sense? Investing in other overhead. In the video, we go through this step-by-step -step of all this other stuff, but should I pay off my credit card or should I run more ads? That's a question that people are asking when they still have debt, right? And that's okay. But you got to think in terms of, uh, here's what I did. I wasn't trying to pay off debt while I was trying to build my business. It was only after we had the harvest coming in from the business that we were able to cut $10,000 checks towards our debt. It was, it was, people ask a lot, when do I start paying off debt? I started, we started paying off our debt when we had more than enough coming in. We had enough to fund our, our family. We had enough to fund our business and, and still uh, grow. And then we had leftover. We took that leftover and threw it towards our debt and got out of debt in eight or nine months. Like that's how we did it. We didn't try to do it a little bit at a time. 
we took big chunks, boom, big chunks, boom, because we had the farm producing the, the harvest that allowed for us to do that. Hiring staff, we really hired, uh, we should have hired sooner. We waited way too long to hire staff, should have hired sooner, frankly. Uh, I think um, uh, the sooner you can get a staff person, the better. Now, if that staff person is your 15-year-old, that's great. That's great. They tend to work for cheap, right? Uh, you, you, there's, there's no labor laws when it's your kid. Uh, it's only labor laws when that kid is going to work for another company. But when they're working for you, I can have my 13-year-old working at that front desk, and I can put him to work for 80 hours a week and pay him minimum wage, and the government can't say nothing about it because that's my kid. So if you got a kid, you got an advantage, right? But maybe, maybe a spouse or, or maybe a friend. Um, I, I know that uh, my mentor, Andy, his first assistant was somebody that we both knew, uh, and, and really she got paid with leftovers. Food. <laughs> that's how she got paid uh, was with leftovers. That's what friends will do for you. If they believe in you, they're trying to help you get the business up and off the ground. An assistant, hiring somebody early is big. Somebody that can help you scrub the applications, can help you work your pending, getting that stuff approved. This, this revenue generating activities that you can't necessarily or don't necessarily have the time to do because you're out there generating more revenue. Does that make sense? Hire staff. Yes. Let me leave you with this question. What do you need to work on to improve your business owner mindset? I just firehosed a bunch of information at you. No question about it. I did not go as deep on a lot of points that I could have. Previously, this was an over an hour and a half training. We just did it in about 40 minutes. But what I want to leave you with today, if you're watching this later, you're listening to this later, what I want to leave you this with today is when we just firehose through that, what was something that just popped out in your mind as, ooh, ooh, you just had that ooh moment, ooh. Oh, that's, there's something, what he just said there. Well, let's talk about it. Reach out to me, <laughs> contact me. Let's talk about that ooh that you just had and let's fix it. And then let's move to the next one and the next one and the next one until before you know it, you look back and you go, wow, I can't believe how much I've changed. I mean, a year ago, I would have thought so different about that than I think now. And I can see the fruit of that change. So what do you need to work on to improve your business owner mindset? Hope this helps. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with the Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.